right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Gary Woodland, a.k.a. Fake Brooks Kepka, is the 2019 U.S. Open champion. Uh, he wins with a score of 13 under par. Brooks Kepka runner-up at 10 under par. Uh, where, what's first? What do you guys think? I thought it was phenomenal. I thought the golf course was great. I thought the competition was great. Woodland was exceedingly well-deserved champion uh i got you know, I, I thought it was a home run this week we will go to randy now for a counterpoint <laughs> it was a totally great regular tour event that's what it felt like uh, favorite at&t pebble beach pro it felt like of all the time. wells fargo moved west yeah <laughs> let's start let's go right into that then let's do that um what what would you have rather seen them do with pebble beach the issue is there's probably not a whole lot they could have done which we can get into i don't you know, maybe we need to talk about Pebble Beach perhaps becoming obsolete as a championship <laughs> venue. <laughs> yes. I'm You're going to love the 2021 Open Championship at St. Andrews. Right. Um, <laughs> that I'll, that take I'll listen to, but continue. Apparently, sources were saying they dumped a lot of water on it early in the week. So I guess that's one place I would start. They maybe should not have done that, especially with the forecast, the marine layer all week. Do you care to name your sources? Is this Peter Kessler's uh, guy that he was saying was watching from his backyard well, through his blinds? One of them. No, that was more of a, corro- a corroborating. <laughs> oh, witness. I see. Eyewitness. Yeah. Eyewitnesses no, on the no, ground. No. Tron has my back. Shackleford, Chibnuck, they were all saying it was heavily watered early in the week. Yeah, and then and then Kessler came in. And then the Kessler came in and the guy uh, living off the ninth hole for the last 25 years uh, saw him dump a ton of water on it. Slowest putt, I think. Well, Slowest putt he's seen in the last 25 years. That was so stupid. We all know Randy, he doesn't like superintendents. Yes. He's, That's true. He's got his qualms That's with the military I was the one complex. sticking up for the supers when Gary was chipping on 17. You guys were like, oh, this is sick. This is sick. I'm like, think about the supers. <laughs> You know what? Why else Randy hated this week? They showed so many dogs on the beach. That's true. He could he could barely watch. I know uh, that's another scuzzy thing you guys try to pin on me. I'm just not comfortable with dogs. There's a difference <laughs> between not being comfortable with them and not liking them. You kind of think they don't like you. I yeah, I think they, they sense my nervousness sense exactly. Yeah. They're like babies. But no, babies not like you either. No, no, babies are good. I'm great with babies, but I'm not good with dogs. But babies can sense you. when you're nervous holding them. <laughs> so my enjoyment of the open, I was thinking about it. There's an inverse. Uh, relationship like the happier the playing pros are with the course the unhappier I am (laughs) and I thought you know this this week almost to a man I thought everybody loved the setup so great you know everybody happy to be here at Pebble Beach it's like kumbaya yeah and it's like I'm not in I'm I'm really not here for that that's not how I like my U.S. Open to dig into that you mean for this one week a year as a fan as a total yeah as a total fan that's all I am you just want to be entertained by one week a year it's almost like we got a little of that at Bethpage quite honestly yeah and so I guess that's a little bit of a what um, was more fun silver lining Bethpage or Pebble well, the thing was, I mean, Beth Page those couple days was a little bit more fun, but it's the whole brand. I mean, that's part of the issue. Like the USGA needs to decide what, like, what are they trying to do? What, because because they build their brand on like protecting par and and tough, right? Like hitting drivers, finding fairways, and then I'm watching like guys are hitting, you know, Woodland hit a 190 yard 
shot out of the rough today and is holding the green. Well, the fact that he like, didn't have on. to hit driver in the last and yet four or five holes of the U.S. Open is a little bit. Maybe what, one driver on the back nine today, two drivers coming so, in? So the indictment, not to stick up for the USGA, the indictment of the USGA that I'll listen to is what you're on to in that, I mean, because of what they've done on this end of the spectrum with the technology and ignoring it for so long, setting up this championship for what you want and what a lot of people want out of this, I'm not singling, singling you out, is almost impossible. And we saw that on back-to-back days last year with Shinnecock of like, too far on Saturday, which I think you would have said was sick. And then <laughs> Sunday, softening it too much. Like th- that, finding that line is such an impossible. Well, battle. let me push back though, because as a fan again, like mm-hmm. again, I don't have to play in the tournament, right? That's part of the beauty of like, I'm just watching on TV. L- last year at Shinnecock on Saturday was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I can't find any fault in that. Like were pros unhappy? Yeah, of course they were. Like, that doesn't bother me. You so know, where I where I net out a little bit is, uh, I feel like they were in a really good spot heading into the weekend this time, I, and, I, and I still feel like they ran a good tournament I and agree. it was all good. Yeah. But I think your I think your complaints, Randy, are more about the golf course itself than the setup. Yeah, where there's not going to be a whole lot of train wrecks out there. There's only so much they can do with small greens and. And Poana, and with the marine layer, you know that it just—it is what it is. Drink <laughs> for sure, and I agree. And Sally, I agree with you too. Like the elephant in the room is for sure the USGA in action on the technology and the distance. Like that—that that probably underlies everything. So I, I completely agree with both of those points. And then I think going back on your point about the USGA and what they want to be, I think they're getting back. I think they're going to get back to that. Or they're going to. But it's going to take a couple of years and they need to reestablish some credibility and they can't have Bodenheimer or whatever his name is, just <laughs> nuke everybody his first year out there. And then they get to wing foot next year and people already want his head on a platter. Well, so I, nope. I kind of, on some level, I vehemently disagree with you, Randy. On another level, I totally agree with you. And Tron, I'm on the same, same spectrum with you, but let's start with like, they couldn't just come in and nuke this week because like why not well like do we legitimately think like players are gonna boycott yeah yeah no you know what I, I mean? think that was the run-up like rory and phil but like, that's not the real. golf digest yeah, it, article if they would have done like if they wanted to do it they would have done it but at some point it becomes such a distraction and yeah. such a such an onerous thing for the usga to deal with from a pr perspective and all that to where all right cool like it kind of defeats the purpose of a lot of the other stuff that they're trying to do too it's definitely got, i don't really know what else they're trying to do by well, the way that's, that's another a whole discussion. other conversation <laughs> There I mean, were so, be so many good nebulous commercials about like, you know, in addition to this great championship, this allows us to do all the other things we're doing to, uh, you know, uh, connect uh, people to the game. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, I've never seen anything from the USGA. I don't know what that means. I saw they, they took the anchored putter out of Randy's hands. That's about the only other the only impact they've had on my life. So with, another, with like golf, with golf governing bodies, I think it's. It's very similar to like politics, right? Yeah. Politics is local. You know, exactly. so get involved with your local muni, get involved with your local course, get involved with your state golf association. For me, I don't think I've ever had, other than planning a few qualifiers here or there, I've never had any interface with the USGA. Yeah. We might need to write our USGA congressman, see what they're really doing. <laughs> to, to one point you make there, Randy, I, I think, you know, about protecting PAR, which I, I feel like I've, I hear this so much year in, year out. And I, and I know I, we won't get a USGA person to put that on the record, but I get the, I, the feeling that that is a era of the past. I don't know what, when that stopped, but 
going to Aaron Hills, and I know it's supposed to play harder than it was, but going to like a par 72 golf course, I don't think that at any point they thought this is going to be around an even par winning score. And I think they've done a good job in that regard of saying, I don't actually, we're not going to actually care what the final score is. Conditions dictate the scoring. Like Pebble Beach, that little clip they showed of Tom Kite in 1992 <laughs> hitting six iron on the seventh <laughs> hole into that win was like, that's what could happen when you go to Pebble Beach and you can't, you have to set up a bumper in your setup in some way. They got as benign of conditions as they probably could have realistically got. And that's what we saw. We saw 13 under win and they let the conditions dictate that. And I thought that was a good way to run a tournament. I know what you mean as a fan. You want to see people whine and bitch. And Randy's a big Sandy Tatum guy. Sandy, I love Sandy Tatum. Sandy Tatum was the I one that was Sandy like, Sandy Tatum. listen, we're going to, he was an OG. We're going to kick these guys in the nuts <laughs> for a week every year. And there's nothing they can do about it. Which I think to to the players' defense in this as well, and I'm, I'm kind of an advocate for both sides in this, but I don't think the players mind it being hard. Like, I don't think they mind difficult golf course. The best players definitely don't mind right. it being hard. And one thing, I mean, the, the leader scores were really low, but there were not a ton of really deep scores. There was not huge bunching and huge batches of birdies from guys that were able to like maintain it all the way through. Like everyone that made a run also gave a shitload of shots back because there was there was just stretches of the golf course that you could take advantage of, you could make birdies. And I found that way more exciting than Beth Page because I felt like Beth Page didn't have those stretches of like, all right, here we go. He's turning onto this part and he's got this opportunity. If he executes that shot, he's going to make birdie. And like Kepka, even some of the, sh- the holes on the front nine this time around, uh, or on Sunday, Kepka missed an easy opportunity for birdie on six, an easy one again on seven. Like he kind of let some of those get away, and it looks like a par on the card, but it's really like a half shot lost. So I don't know. I thought that made for an interesting competition. I think when you look back, or I think when he looks back, he'll look at those two holes as really the par fives in general. The this ones, week. but six and seven today, I think were yeah. what he'll lament the most. Yeah, so I, I guess Randy, and not this is not you know you're not being deposed here or anything. I'm just <laughs> it, it's you. I'm trying to voice. A, it, well, it's much more interesting than all of us just saying like, yeah, I agree. Let's yeah. you know let's all say the same stuff. But I guess where I'm at is, do you think that there's something different they should have done, or do you feel cheated because we didn't get good enough conditions and or we're maybe at the wrong golf course for what you like? Uh, good question. I'm probably not smart enough in a course setup manner to really answer the first question. So I guess the easy answer is I I don't know what was at their disposal to do necessarily. Um, So that's part of my ignorance. Uh, The second that convenient. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I don't know. And then, uh, sorry, what was the second? Well, just repeat the question. just, (laughs) Just if it's not that, then it's basically feeling like, you know, yeah, maybe there was nothing you could have done, but I feel cheated because either the ball goes too far or this wasn't the right golf course or we didn't get the right wind or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if cheated's the right word. I just think it's like, and maybe it's just nostalgic or whatever, but when I think of the U S open, I think like, I don't think a guy's necessarily going on runs. I think of it almost like a war of attrition. Like if I can make 18 pars today, it's going to be a hell of a round. Right. And it's almost like the ultimate tournament where you're not really scoreboard watching because it's like, dude, I just got to take care of my shit and I got to just make par 
And if I make 18 of them, it's going to be a hell of a result. And when Danny Willett and Marcus Kinholt go out and shoot 67s on yeah. Sunday, it so cheapens that a little bit. I guess. And again, that's for sure just like my preference. That's that's what I want to make clear. Um, and I think we've just, you know, like you said, Sally, like maybe that's just not possible anymore with, with the I, U.S. Open. But I think you were on to something with it being a beef with Pebble Beach because with the amount of wedges yeah. these guys are going to hit into greens here, if they thought for one second they were going to get scores, around even par what they would have had to done to that golf course to manipulate it that much i mean marion was a bit of a disaster on that part i mean it was just like balls with wedges hitting greens and rolling off and (laughs) three over par when i picture marion like all i picture is justin rose hitting a literally perfect golf shot into 18 and it like one hopping over the green i'm like all right sick yeah (laughs) Like chipping, chip. Yeah. Like what I don't want to say. I know you're smiling and nodding. Like so Randy violently. saying clown golf. But what I don't like I mean, to see is like a chipping contest. And that was my point. Uh, like regarding Pebble Beach is a lot of people kind of nebulously saying like, oh, they should have gone harder. They should have done this. They should have done this. I'm like, okay, let's break. Like let's get into that. What should they have done? Juice the rough. Like the rough was chip out in some spots. It was thick with three seasons. <laughs> okay, they should have made the greens firm. The greens were mega firm. You could hear like what the first hop sounds like, which is sounds like a major championship, which was awesome. And then if they go even firmer than that, like the greens are so small, a there's not really any like there's not very many pin locations on any of those greens. Uh, and b if if you make them even firmer, like yeah, we're just going to be seeing. A chipping contest and then Sally, i think we mentioned this in the in the preview pod but what ends up happening there is like okay me dj shitty golfer is coming into you know number number two with a three wood paid my 700 dollars for the day well it's okay okay me and gary woodland are both playing you know i wouldn't be able to get to number two so we'll, we'll pay <laughs> number nine i'm coming in with a three wood and I hit it around the green and it comes in hot and it f- eight hops over the green into the back rough. He's coming in with a, you know, eight iron. And it's the same thing when <laughs> when the greens get that firm because the greens are so small. And so it's like me and Gary Woodland should not be in the same spot in that instance. You know, like a good shot and a very, very average shot should not end up in the same spot. And that's what would have happened, I think, if they would have pulled all those levers and really tried to like. Which I don't. So I, I completely, completely agree with you on Shinnecock was phenomenal because the pin locations were brutal. And like, I think that was the difficult part was yeah. the pin locations. Right. And like if you play, if you played Randy, if you had played Shinnecock, <laughs> you would know that like the greens there are massive and they're so crazy undulated. And so, like, they're a lot, like, they can find pin locations like that. We didn't see anything close to that this week because they're not really out there. Like, the, the slopes of Pebble, you saw maybe on 14, they could have had something crazy, like, you know, borderline unfair, which would have, I, I would have agreed with you there. That would have been sick. But, uh, you know, outside of that, like, it's just really hard to find those pin locations because the greens just aren't like that. Two things. One, I... But real quick, sorry, maybe they should, maybe that's an answer. Like maybe you go blow up all the greens and you make them, you know, if you're going to have a 7,000 yard golf course for a major, then maybe the greens, maybe the greens should be absolutely bananas, which is, I think we're all, we're eight thumbs up on that one looking around the table, which I think to that exact point. And we talked some in the preview pod about what we think of pebble and whatnot. And I think as a, as a test of maybe major championship golf, I think it's phenomenal. And there's a lot of things that I think for like a playability for everyday players that they should do. 
a lot of reasons why they shouldn't do it also, which is they print, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every hour in tea times. So they're not uh-huh. going to shut the course down. But Late stage capitalism is not going to be the way to win Randy over here. What they've already started doing is expanding some of these greens. And I think that is the right. one thing they can continue to do to make this even better test for major championship Agreed. golf, to give you opportunities to bring the pins even closer to those bunkers, get rid of some of that rough that is in between the bunkers and the green as it stands, and have even crazier slopes and crazier pin positions and make... The, the playing of angles even that much more important. And Rory talked about how important angles was. I think this was like the best blend that I've seen in recent memory of like tight fairways. But on every tee box, I'm standing there being like, okay, he needs to be on the left side here or he needs to be on the right side. But you really had to, you really had to decide on a line when you were exactly. standing there. Exactly. It Couldn't was not just, just like, it. it wasn't just hit it down the middle of the fairway. On 11, it was like, do you want to pound driver all the way up the left? Or like, do I want to, you know, fade towards the center? I get a better angle down the left, but I'm risking going to the left rough. And I think, you know, as much as we love width and angles, it's not the best at tournament golf because of how far the ball goes. Oh, this was a great combination of like the angles still matter, but like we're also not going to let you just mash it out of the rough. Yeah, like, it's, you're going to pay a price. And that didn't really get enough uh, enough play probably on the telecast is like they have been slowly making those changes to Pebble Beach, like 13, 13. They added pin positions this year. I think I think 13 and 14, they both added like a back right pin position that wasn't there in. In 2017, has got expanded. Yeah, exactly. 17, they read, God, that green is like, so I I was out there for a couple days this week and that was 17 minutes in. He finally mentioned it. Oh God, there he is. Uh, But seeing 17 green is, was the highlight. Mm -hmm. I think just seeing like the left, how different, you know, everybody can see like the 2d shape of the green that it's that hour, hourglass green, whatever. But seeing how much of like a punch bowl the left-hand side is and how thinking about, you know, Gary Willen, I think, hit four iron. He wasn't close to going at the pin, but, you know, Gary hit four iron, I think, into 17 and seeing like what a downslope there is right over that bunker and how fucked you can get if you hit like if you land that ball in the wrong spot. It is so much more subtle than it looks on TV. And like that was one of my biggest takeaways this week. A quick break. Uh, let you guys know when the world's best show up to play Odyssey continues to lead the way. They were number one at Pebble Beach this past week. Been number one, the number one putter at every single major for 2019. That's seven of them. Could you guys name all seven majors so far? Don't do it. But could you? For, we're talking uh, women's and men's and women's men's. I think like, well, the champion senior. store has like seven yeah. of their own. I don't, the, the, yeah. I don't, so I don't know. Masters, check Chad's, check no, Chad's Masters, math on that. PGA, <laughs> U.S. Open, A&A Inspiration. U.S. Women's Open. U.S. Women's Open. They're getting a bargain. This is going to be like a 60-second ad. Yeah. <laughs> we're moving on for this. The tradition there were in the senior PGA Championship. <laughs> Taste it. Presented by Kitchen Maid. <laughs> with the big Kitchen mixers. Aid. There were 60 Odyssey putters in the field this week at the U.S. Open. 14 more than the nearest competitor. Uh, the Odyssey dominance is led by the new Stroke Lab putters featuring a multi-material shaft designed to improve the tempo and consistency of your putting stroke. Visit Odyssey, odysseygolf.com or head to your nearest retailer to experience Stroke Lab for yourself and start making more putts today. I've, I've seen so many Stroke Lab putters. I was looking at Woodland's driver and it was like two-toned. I was like, oh, cool. He's got like that that uh, Stroke Lab shaft. And I was like, oh, never mind. That's a driver. That's <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think the double flex would, <laughs> would, would uh, quite work as well for a driver. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. Okay. You guys have brought up a lot of good points, <laughs> and I agree with them. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm, not, I'm really not gonna rebut. I, I have a question for the group. There's one lever that the USGA could pull that maybe 
uh, placates everybody. Hell yeah. I know what it's going to be. Do Why it. don't they make number six oh, a part four oh. and number seven a part two and make it like a part 69? And then it's the same conditions. And 18 should be a part four And as well. 18 could be a part four. Make it a part 68. And then... What did that the, change about the championship, though? It well, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. the perception, like... Pa- Make par for the course, like like factor in the technology and the distance and the you know like 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 make it an actual par sixty eight then. If but that's I think what you're actually as. like you're talking about all right. So you're talking about changing the perception, but yeah, earlier we were talking about just the actual viewing experience and what you want to see out of it. That's not going to materially change. I think anything. It, no. just, I do think it would. So well, it would change some strategy or the way that guys went about stuff, but I don't think it's going to change the way that the tournament played. Maybe it'd be a Overall. fascinating experience. I wonder if it would. If eighteen was yeah. was playing as a quote unquote par four, I wonder if you would see different clubs that people would hit off the tee. I, I don't legitimately doubt that you would. Yeah, I, I'm rolling my eyes at it because no, I know like, we all are on the same page. The I dumbest mean, thing yeah. in the world, you'd be like, oh, I sh- oh, it's, there's this number on the scorecard next to it says it should be a four, so I'm going to play it differently. You're playing against everybody else playing that hole. It doesn't matter. It could be a par eight, and the strategy should be the exact same. Legitimately, if somebody told me like, hey, I know this used to be a par five, but now it's a par four. I'd be like, fuck, oh, I gotta no. get there too. Oh no. Okay, I better sack up here. But yeah. this is relevant because this is how pros think. I, I'm telling you for I know. sure. Yeah. So we before we get too far into this, Andy Johnson wrote a piece like word for word on this exact topic. Uh so I don't know if that's where you where you got it from or not, but that's where like that was his argument is just dude, you A, that kind of illustrates like, yeah, fuck, maybe we we might have messed up on the technology stuff. Like these these par fives are not par fives, and there's nothing we can do anymore. Like, think about lengthening 18. Like you, you literally can't. Like the T box is is on a rocky like outcropping, and the green is on a rocky outcropping. Like you can't move so either. Shout of those out things. to the Foz because some of those rock outcroppings <laughs> that they've been working on out there look very Fozzy esque. Oh, You're gonna have to tee off from a drone to add well, length to this yeah. golf course. And I know I, people threw the pars irrelevant back at me, and I'm like, okay, cool. Then if it's irrelevant, then, then let's move it. Then let's make it a 68. Yeah. Like everybody should be on board with that. that was, and then maybe it will like fans like me and Joe fan who tunes in thinking, Oh, us open. It's supposed to be really difficult. I want to see these pros make some bogeys. You know, maybe, maybe it's best for everybody. And that was, that was Andy's point is a, you get that kind of peace of mind. B, if you, <laughs> and this is where it gets for like really laughable. If you think about them going to, um, I'm trying to think what's coming up. Let, let's just say, so Wingfoot didn't, I think Gil Hans did like a whole, you know, renovation at Wingfoot, right? So a lot of that was probably, you know, in anticipation of this U.S. Open. It's like, okay, we can go like continually spend millions and millions of dollars at these future host sites by lengthening tees and lengthening holes and moving greens and doing this stuff. Or we could just like change the scorecard. Print new scorecards. <laughs> like, yeah, well, exactly. Like, I don't know. What do you think would be like a better use of, <laughs> of the resources of uh, the USGA yeah. who's, quote, connecting players to the game? Yeah. And so it's just when you think about it like that, it's like, whoa, that's that's a that's pretty interesting. I think going back, it's such a different lens that we look at the, U- at the U.S. Open through where remember last year at Carnoustie, it was just like, this is what nature gave us. So we're just going to accept it. Well, yeah. this is what nature gave us this week, but nobody seems to want to accept it. Right. What, what was funny. I saw another tweet too. That was, uh, I forget who, who posted it, but why were we, you know, all okay with 13 under winning at Pebble beach because the wind didn't blow and everyone's like, Oh, you know, Hey, that's the way it goes. You know, there was no wind, but at Aaron Hills, everyone, this is a fucking disgrace. <laughs> I can't believe the scores are this low. It's like, dude, it's, it's the same issue. I don't know why people are upset about this. Yeah, I 
I, I, I would, you know. Or we start Truman showing. If you're getting $93 million a year from Fox, maybe bring out some, put a dome over it yeah. and control, you know, start Kristoffing well, the you elements. Well, you just read enough in like, you know, psychology, behavioral, finance, like it, it would have an effect either on players and or on spectators. That would be fascinating to see. Totally. And they've already changed the par. Like it, it, it plays as a par 72. Am I right in that? Right. Or yeah, yeah. No, yeah. two plays as a par five for for yeah. resort. Yeah. Play. yeah. So, so they're already changing it. Right. Like shit, just make it a six. They do that eight. like no. every year. You can't make a par below seventy. That's a rule. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Somewhere that's a rule. Yeah. Like, well, so Andy's Andy's last point that he kind of made in this article was, if you did that, if you extrapolated that out to every event, and so I think the example he used was uh, Trinity Forest. So there's two or I think three, two or three par fives uh, that should play as par fours. There's, you know, I think he in his article, he said there's two par four, two par fives that should play as par fours. And there's one like 300 yard par four that he said should play as a par three. If you did that, like everybody's like, oh, my God, this is stupid. Twenty eight unders winning or whatever. And you did that, like all of a sudden 12 under wins or something. And everyone's like, wow, what? You know, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty, <laughs> good, a pretty test. good test. You know, pretty good. T- Aaron Wise, he, play, he really played well this week. And so what you'd have then, like if you did that every week is to his point, like you'd have so much of a better barometer event to event because like he was saying like, okay, 13 under at the US Open, like what does that mean in comparison to like how well did Gary Woodland play in comparison Tiger in comparison to, you know, like 12 under at so and so event or 20 under at another event. Then Mm -hmm. like when someone shoots 20 under, then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like 20 under like adjusted par man that guy must have like really golfed his ball and it's just it, i don't know it's a really interesting way to to think about it yeah and and so i get the par is irrelevant and it's like the theory is there and i and i get it but if we're not going to take the action then like then what are we then talking it must about? be yeah. somewhat relevant or else make it a damn par 68 what was the other lever that you thought he was going to pull yeah where did you think i was going that everybody had to play the same golf ball yeah oh well that's like a limited flight for golf sure ball. yeah that's yeah. a no-brainer the more i thought about that it's like i can't believe there's not a uniform golf ball it's at the professional level and yeah it makes absolutely yeah. i mean it would address all <laughs> we talked for like 20 minutes already on it would be like take like almost all of that away <laughs> yeah no I'm, doubt i mean i know it's, right, like, cool. it's like we changing the score we can just show up at pebble and play it and it's like yeah, yeah, it's to... like changing the scorecard that's basically what it'd be like yeah i was much. gonna say it's like apples and oranges but like imagine tennis players like rolling in with their own tennis balls like on their serve like, right dude i'm gonna play with mine <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you play with your specially designed ones it's like it's asinine yeah back to the actual uh golf tournament and the winner of it i know we talked to uh, gary woodland i mean i don't i don't know really exactly what to do with it we weren't not we're not expecting him to win but it's not a totally out of left field it's not a ben curtis todd hamilton winner woodland was on a certain career trajectory and he kind of stopped rising he kind of just leveled out to what i thought was this level of tour player and i was not expecting him to step up and win a major championship but man he was unfazable the shot that he hit in 14 265 straight up a hill it on seaside like one thing it was really refreshing to see guys actually like have to hit normal shot normal yeah. yardages because the ball does not fly out there that shot he hit on 14 one in the tournament like when he was standing over that i thought back to mickelson's quote that he told bones when he's in the pine straw on 13 <laughs> right. at augusta and phil's quote was like at some point i'm gonna have to hit a shot under a lot of pressure to win this tournament i'm gonna do it right now yeah and he stepped up and did it and got up and down and made birdie and won the golf tournament that, that drive so too impressive. i mean i know a lot of you know what we had kind of said was is it good that he, you know, he didn't have to hit very many drivers coming in? And I guess it's probably 14. And I'm trying to think where else he would have even hit driver on the back nine. 
I mean, maybe I think that was 10. It. Uh, but even that drive on 14, I mean, he like hugged the corner perfectly, gave him a chance to to get there in two. And then, so that's Randy, you know, and we're kind of past the, you know, watching guys get ejected conversation. But I thought what was really cool was like actually seeing guys showcase really great shots. Because again, I don't want to keep prefacing sentences with like, I was out there this week, but <laughs> being out there, like you would, st- uh, trust me, I saw a lot of guys get eviscerated <laughs> this week shout out to a couple of our friends of the program uh but like it was not as easy as it looks watching the guys who are literally playing the best of the 156 players and seeing the shots like what woodland hit like the shots that kepka hit on the front nine like that's what it, it maybe there was just like lack of context you know what this just came to me maybe they need to stop showing as much of the winners and just show a lot of the guys who are playing shitty <laughs> but listen it was, it was like that one tweet that was like certainly watched the, justin rose enough this throw that on fs2 and that's where <laughs> that's exactly. where my attention's yeah, yeah. going the, the tweet that was like for all olympic races they should have an average man <laughs> yes, run as totally. well so you yeah. see what it looks like so i i don't you know i don't want to air him out uh too much and maybe this is a weird segue from congratulations to gary woodland for winning but Followed Zach Blair a lot on. on <laughs> I was gonna say it might have been ZB the guy I'm on Thursday, about. but he like he shot eighty three. Zach is like among you know among the the best f- players in the world. You know when you comparatively look at how many people play golf. Point oh oh one percent. Yeah, and he said that you know he tweeted this too, but like he he missed eight greens with chip shots. Like that, it was not easy. Zach, like we played with him in Greenville, and literally like we had breakfast with like I had breakfast with him that morning. And we we're just kind of talking about the course and talking about his game, and whatever. I was like, man, in Greenville, like you chipped your balls off. Like you, it was crazy to see like how good of a chipper you are. And he went out and over the next two days, he missed eight greens with chip shots. <laughs> and it's like, dude, I promise it was not playing easy. It was playing really easy for Gary Woodland and Brooks Kepka because they were hitting a lot of fucking good golf shots. Well, they've got a lot of down cock. And they've got, yeah, so <laughs> listen, of course, one of them has point. a lot of down cock. Yeah. So that's actually, you know what? I, I just thought of that now. That might be the way to save the US Open is play like, just show more shitty golfers. Show more like guys who are really struggling. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that might be how you get you your job. my attention for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I think going back to Woodland. Um, two Thank points. You. All right, that was yeah. a, that was a segue. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer us back. Normally, I'm the one steering us away. Um, Go back to Woodland when he was on the web.com. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't even, I don't ever remember Woodland on the, on the web.com tour. Like that was that was kind of kind of be my point. He's can we? I just because I don't think we're gonna get back to it. Can we get? I, there's one block I want to get on, and I so I don't know if they're making the announcement today or when. But uh, apparently web.com is out as a title sponsor of the web.com tour. And it's going to now be the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, which is a uh, management kind of like... Corn Ferry Consulting. So KFC Corn Ferry Consulting. I don't know if the, if the C is going to be part of it, but oh. that was the block I was going to get on. Is I, was like, I would love to brand this thing like the KFC Tour. A fried chicken tour? <laughs> no, let's call it the KFC Tour. Everyone listening to it forever refer to it as the KFC Tour. Forever. Let's make this a thing. Well, sure we got to go later deeper. It's got to be like the Colonel Sanders Tour. <laughs> but it has to have a chance of catching on. Like We need the players calling it the KFC Tour. We need... Yeah. Like, we need to like, like well, they could call it Sanderson Farm should get well, instead of calling it the become 25, a KFC tour event. Instead of calling it the 25 at the end of the year, they should call it the 24 feast bucket. The bucket. I knew you were going there. I love it. I, I saw that twinkle in your eye, Tron. I love that. 
Um, no, I mean, I that'd think be tough for on. people like Justin Lauer. We know he, you know, he was 26 last year, just outside the bucket. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the bucket's tough, man. <laughs> it sounds like some ambush marketing potential from KFC. That's true. That's true. Um, Sorry, Woodland. Well, no, no more distractions. Can I tell a quick Woodland story? <laughs> <laughs> on Woodland specifically, I think I said this on the live show, but uh, this is not that significant of a story. But how crazy it was to me. My dad and I were at the 2010 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Never heard of Gary Woodland in my life. Now who's bragging? And just I'm walking around we're just walking around and we get to 2t nobody's following gary woodland and he just is you know he walks with a certain swagger now he was walking with double the swagger back then just just oozing it's like the vince mcmahon yes that's what it looked like and he hits this drive on two and he just absolutely bombs it and kind of like even grinned to the crowd the little crowd that was there after he hit it and you know we start walking up kind of we're making our way out to the good part of the property and we get up there, there's this ball, like almost in the bunker, way down there. We're like, whoa, who, did somebody already punch out? And we got up there, and it was Woodland. He hit sand wedge into number two at the U.S. <laughs> Open. And we were all like, at the same time, like, who is this guy? So he immediately became like one of my favorite players back then. And to see it all come full circle from to win the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach nine years later was a very weird and out-of-body <laughs> kind of experience. So I was going to say, just going back to 2011, when he kind of first burst on the scene, he has not finished. Uh, he fell outside the top 100 at the end of the year in 2012. But since 2013, he has not finished lower than 63rd in the world. At That's the end what of I'm the saying. Year. He's just kind of like plateaued. Yeah. And, and yeah. Well, and, and he's always he's he's had at least one second place finish on the PGA Tour every year since 2013. Like that's a pretty well, remarkable really level of consistency. Um, and in, in, in at least really three to five. Uh, 10th place finishes are better every year. So I think a that, and then B just earlier this year, I mean the, the, the light bulb that went off in his head as far as putting has yeah. been absolutely remarkable. You guys are never going to guess the answer to this question. Never. I promise you won't get this. Amsterdam. Who, who do you think has more <laughs> regular PGA tour wins, Gary Woodland or Brooks Kepka? You'll never get this. or Ricky. Well, come on, <laughs> come on! Right. Yeah, how many does he have? Does more, he have Ricky now? Five. Woodland has three regular three? PGA Tour oh, event, and, wins, and, and Kepka's yeah. got two. And now he's got Woodland's got four wins. Rick's now, got but, five. Yeah. Well, that's cool. If you need him. Yeah. Uh, one other point on Woodland. Just want to give a shout out to Maddie Kelly. Every every week before a major, I always ask him, "Hey, who should I be looking for this week?" He said, like first thing off his tongue, "Dude, Woodland. I really, really like him on this course. He's going to hit that two or three iron." Uh, he's aggressive. He's, he's confident. Like in, in Maddie, like, I think that's the other thing about Woodland is all these guys out there seem to like him. Yeah. Like he, he kind of comes off as this Uber, uh, aggressive bro, but he's actually, I think there's, there's a good, I think he's just soul behind. I it. think he's yeah. just crazy confident. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, how can you get to where he is without being, but like he's that? not a douche. Yeah. Which is a very hard line to straddle. Well, when I, when uh, I was in Malaysia and during like the fall of 2017, we're walking back from a restaurant and like the players just, I mean, stick out like sore thumbs and we end up like at the same stoplight getting ready to cross the street. <laughs> Does and, Gary Woodland stick out in Malaysia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Woodland was there with a couple other guys and uh, I've never met Gary Woodland in my life. And uh, we're just kind of standing there, and he just like turns to me. He's like, "Sup, bro?" And gives me like the dap <laughs> handshake. And I like, had to ask his agent after. I was like, "Yo, like, do I know Gary? Like, have I met him?" He's like, "No, he's just like he's like that with everybody. Yeah. Like, he just like goes up to people and says what's up and yeah. just starts talking to him." So he seems to be a very very well liked guy. So well, good. That was good. Look, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was fine. Look, I thought Randy legitimately. I thought you had a lot of very good 
crit, like criticisms from the fan perspective. But at the same time, I, I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was a great championship. A couple things specific to Woodland. I did find it surprising. This was the first time he's closed on a 54-hole lead. Yeah. He had been 0 for 7. Whoa. Which, I didn't realize it was that yeah. stark. Yeah. So there's hope for Ricky. There's That's a little very bit of interesting. for Ricky. But to your point, too, it's like, man, if he could have converted even two or three of those, he's, you know, in our minds at right. least, is probably uh I always pick him for the Masters. Up. Seems like he always plays well at Augusta. Which I looked yeah. that up. He's one top 25 in his career. No, but, no, but, I, but I feel like he's one of those guys, kind of like Rose. Where, Maddie like, was messing with you on that one. No, he, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. He, like, I always feel like he's just, he's got a good game for Augusta. He hits fairways, but he's never quite putted well enough this year yeah i was i was still bummed like you know really at the beginning this week and then when he started leading i'm like woodland really because he he beat chez last year well that's what so yeah he beat him in the uh in phoenix at the waste management he beat him up too afterwards i was trying to remember who won phoenix this year ricky fallon (laughs) i know (laughs) no i legitimately didn't (laughs) that's my favorite game to play at the end of the year just like who who won i could probably tell you i watch every tournament and i could probably tell you maybe 40% 40% of the guys. Yeah. You know, well, what? that's fun. Like for the Sony, <laughs> like the next year's Sony, like the chant or not the Sony, excuse me, the, the Kapalua. Monday, the yeah. Kapalua was like trying Century. to like, wait a second. How is this guy? <laughs> what did one win? Especially now that like the, yeah, the, Peter opposite, the opposite field guys get in and like the, yeah. the, the Zurich team guys get in. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it's, what? Julio yeah. Bell gets in. <laughs> That's such a deep cut. No, no comment. God, that's a deep cut. You know what doesn't quite feel right is that uh, Gary Woodland and Louis Oosthuizen have the same amount of majors. This is Woodland's first that's ever wild. top five and, in a major. And, and Dustin Johnson. Oh, mm. God, that's mm. nuts. Disappointing week Go for ahead. Dustin. Go no, ahead. The, you want to say it? D- Dustin. I mean, he's got a, he had to have this circled on his calendar for like they're five like, years. They're like the same age, too. Well, yeah. Dustin only wins 54 hole events. That's true. Well, he wasn't that great after 54 this week either. Now, one major gets you on a list with some interesting names. Yeah, there's some... some Freddie, Davis Love. Jason Day. Yeah. Justin Rose. JT. Ben Curtis. (laughs) Sean McKeel. Ben Curtis ruled. That was Um, sweet. That was a cool Well, I was going to ask... Ben Curtis went on a heater for the next two years or so. He won a a few more Shout out to the Booz Allen Classic. When you win the Booz Allen Classic, you could could shit on Ben Curtis. He was like 400th in the world when he won the British Open. (laughs) He was like the the third alternate. he backed it up. He made... He he won a few more times. So, question... Mill Creek, Ohio. We're kind of on the subject, but... (laughs) Ben Curtis? No, no, no. I really... I've been itching. No, with Gary Woodland winning, does he fit more as a... You know, we've been on such a run of like strong major champions recently. Like, where where do you see him? Is he kind of a, a one time outside the box type winner? Is he? He might be the Mendoza line. He he could be that. He could be it the could separator. Be, it could be the Woodland line. You know, is he above or below the Woodland? So line? is is Woodland above or below Charles Schwartzel? I'd say above. That's a good question. Yeah, that is right? a good, that's a good I think comment. like Schwartzel, Danny Willett are the two that kind of come. He's above Willett. He's above Schwartzel because he's had a longer. Like, like for me, the fact that he's had eight years or nine years or almost a decade out on tour, and he's been as consistent as he has, and he's he's won, and he's he's just a really solid golfer. Yeah, there's nothing fluky about it, and I could see him winning one or two more over the next decade. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's definitely not a fluky fluky winner like some of the you know throwaway names that we just listed off. But I think that it was weird. It's one of those things that. Looking at his stats and stuff, you're like, man, he like he's number 25 in the world, and he hits it really far, and he, God, he's been putting it great. 
And what, like you said, Tron, when you're watching, it, you're kind of like, oh, Gary Woodland, like, there's no way he's going to he's going to hang on. And then he wins. You're like, yeah, like, of course he was. Of <laughs> yeah. course he won the US Open. Let's go. Let's do this. Well, stop me or just kind of yell out fluke when we get to like a fluke major champion. Okay. Which, all right. So. All right disclaimer here. Like, yeah. These guys all won major <laughs> championships yeah. and got <laughs> million plus dollars. I think, uh, yeah, I think like almost none of us have won a major. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, all right. Gary. Maybe Woodland, Neil. He's not here. Brooks Kepka, Tiger Woods. Brooks Kepka, Francesco Molinari, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, Sergio Garcia, Jimmy Walker. Fluke. I'll say fluke. Fluky. He was dude, he was like Fluke-y. top ten in the world. Yeah. He's a backstop. He was playing he so He was on a run then. Too. So good. Yeah. Henrik Stenson. Also, we don't know that that one happened. That's true. That yeah. could have been a computer simulation, as we've mentioned many times. Dustin Johnson, Danny fluke. Willett. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Will again was like thirteen. You just called DJ a fluke. <laughs> that's, that's not even it's funny. the block I'm starting to scope out. I've been house hunting in the neighborhood, <laughs> just waiting for something to open up. Jason Day, Zach Johnson, jo- Jordan Speed, Jordan Speed, Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy, Martin Keimer, Bubba Watson, Jason Duffner, Phil Mickelson, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, Ernie Els, fluke. That was that was that was the fluke. Yeah. yeah, Ernie Els. It wasn't a fluke that he won a major. It was a fluke that oh, he won that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying at that time that yeah, was okay. fluky. Webb Simpson, Bubba Watson, Keegan In Bradley. Webb's win was a little fluky. It was. Ke- I, see, like Woodland feels a cut above Keegan. I think for sure. Ke- Keegan was a rookie. He was a, yeah. like he was fresh off the the KFC. Part tour. of the deal too is how you. <laughs> part of the deal too is how you win. Which it. I think he was like number seven in the bucket like that Woodland, year. Woodland. That was like bossy. stepped on people's yeah. throats. Today. Yeah. Like, yeah. like to yeah. me, I don't. It was definitive. even if he didn't have the eight to nine years of of background. Man, like he he's still sleeping on the thirty six and fifty four exactly. hole lead to win. Like that's why Jimmy Walker was wire to wire. Like that. Yeah. That I have a hard time calling that fluke. Again, that we, what that's conjecture, alleged. Yeah. That's alleged. Like I go back, Wi- wired. To honestly, wire. Darren Clark, <laughs> the computer simulation. That's the it one is. that is like the that most was a fluke. Yeah. Recent yeah. like fluke win because he didn't do anything after that for the rest of his career. And then it goes Rory. You know who should have won that one? Is Ricky. that the one DJ shanked it out of bounds? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was sick. That was kind so of sick. in the realm of what we've experienced experienced recently in majors that was a somewhat fluky win i think we can say but at the same yeah. time like in the green he was the 25th thing. ranked player in yes. the world <laughs> which is like t- speaking to what we've been through in the last yeah. several that's years that's what i mean we kept saying that on all the previews it's like dude it has been so good lately yeah it's crazy how good it's been yeah. it's still and we, good and we complain about yeah. everything yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. speaking of complain about everything what can we talk about this coverage <laughs> fox is the worst dj will now step out of the room yeah i'm good <laughs> uh what did you guys think of the television experience this week I'll get mine out of the way because mine's very service level. I thought it was. I, I think Fox is great. I, I think their audio is top notch. There's there's a clean, modern presentation to it that I think is lacking uh, by CBS. I, I think I think Fox and NBC do a good job, and I, I really like Fox for some of their shot tracer, some of the camera angles. I thought were very cool, and I think their audio is probably the best audio of all the broadcasts. Isn't it partners. crazy what a difference that makes? Oh. Yeah. It seems like... Because you like, feel like you're there. It seems like something that's, yeah. that would be, you know, the least important, and it's got its I think everything. Ob- objectively, like on all the objective fronts, they do a really, really, really great job. I think it's just the fact that they don't get as, as many reps. Yeah. 
They don't. They, they can't make, practice the sub, and they made huge strides the last few years. I felt like they kind of they made, they may have plateaued a little bit this year. They make more errors than anyone. Like there's more like audio cut, which is like is the most forgivable thing I think because I know they're trying to do a million things, and I just don't care that much about small little errors. If you're showing us golf shots, yeah, the tolerance level for what will put up with is yeah. exceptionally high. Exactly. I think they buy a lot of stuff like favor with people like us just because of how much golf. And I got an email from somebody today that, you know, I sent out the, the request after I timed that CBS did 28 golf shots in 30 minutes uh, for somebody else to time a segment. He's like, dude, I timed a segment and like they had five and a half minutes of commercial in that segment, which is like kind of a lot for Fox. And they showed 48 golf shots in a 30 minute segment, which is pretty damn good. Um, I thought, you know, just one little thing to that audio point that, first of all, Graham McDowell got a lot of cover on the broadcast this week, <laughs> which is fine. I like Graham. He was just on there a lot. But he won it last time. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was so cool, and I, they followed him, I think it was all Friday afternoon, that before every one of his shots, it was just... <sighs> Right. And they got that every single time. It yeah. was the deep breath that he took right before he went to hit a tee shot. And I was like, dude, that now I feel like I'm standing on yeah, that Yeah, it's like, box. oh, man, what's going to happen? Yeah. And I'm not getting somebody talking yeah. over it. It was like, that's his routine. And he did it every time at every section, like at the same spot of every pre-shot routine. And I was like, whoa, I never knew that. And I watch a lot of golf. And that's really cool. Yeah. Tell you what was, was wild was... Uh, Nance coming in the booth and being like, "Man, like I've never seen. I, I live here. Like, I've never seen some of these shots before. Like the drones out there and all that. Like this guy has has done the the broadcast from Pebble Beach. How many years in a row now for CBS? Seventy eight. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. It's like, yeah, man. Like this is that's kind of what we're saying, Jim. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I think Fox they'd lost a little bit of. I don't want to say identity, but they lost a little bit of their mojo when they hit primetime each night when they switched, like they would switch it from FS1 to Fox on Thursday and Friday. I feel like they were trying to be all things to all people and broaden the base on Thursday and Friday when they did that. When really it's like you got Stanley Cup and NBA finals on, like you got golfers are watching your telecast. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep, keep the, keep the flow going from the afternoon. A lot of segments, a lot of features, which I don't even, I don't, we pretend like we know the business. I don't know how the business actually works and whatnot. I don't know why they have to do so many features. And I you guys are on for fucking 15 hours a day and they need to go to the bathroom. Well, they have commercial <laughs> breaks for that and they have There's two not different many, booths. Yeah, like, you gotta, you gotta make sure people are watching that Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. I was at Pebble. I don't yeah. know if I mentioned that. Uh, what was the Cedric the Entertainer? Thing? It was like him rehashing Tiger's run in 2000. It was like a five minute segment and they replayed it twice. It was, it was not great. Listen. <laughs> Um, what, what's his? He was in. Uh, he has some show on Fox. He was. Well, he was in Who's Your Caddy also. So he, I don't know if he had a uh, unique per- perspective on the golf in that way. He and but. Stevie are tight. <laughs> um, I thought Brad Faxon really emerged as a true like next level analyst and the best color guy that Fox has. And I like Paul Azinger. I do. I really do. <laughs> I. I didn't hear one nice word on social media about him this week, and I did not think he was spectacular. I definitely did not think he was spectacular on the broadcast. And I, I like the fo- like I like the folksy charm and the like. I feel like you're talking, you know, your buddy's talking to you. But I felt like the reservoir just ran a little bit dry a little bit early in the weekend with him. It almost seems like Azinger needs to be part of a three man team. Yeah, like it, it should be, you know, a host Azinger for kind of the folksy, mm-hmm. you know, quick. 
yeah. cuts, jokes, and then like a Brad Faxon. Yeah, why really not bring Faxon in? Analyze. And that's what I'm getting getting. Just at. make it a three man booth and have the two of them play off each other. Yeah, and I feel like Azinger is probably better in like a more free flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. Like a lot is being put on Zinger, and I don't think he's put in the best position to succeed. And I think like. Faxon and Bacon are the best prepared golf guys to talk about golf. And like Buck and Zinger together just don't bring that same kind of golf centric energy to it. You know, it's kind of more of the like you're talking about being all things to all people. Buck is kind of brought in there in some way. I know he's a very polarizing figure, but he's recognizable. And like people will watch, even if you hate Joe Buck, you will tune in to watch him kind of like Howard. You tune in to listen to Howard Stern if you hate him. But I don't know. I feel like they're really onto something. And for true golf fans, like that Bacon Faxon duo, Brett Quigley, I think, is pretty good. Their on course guys do a really good job. And the combination of all the different shots they give you is a really, really cool viewing. Experience. So I think where I fall out, at least with this weekend, is it didn't feel like they weaved as much in and out of the two booth crews. It seemed like it was mainly Zinger and, yeah. and uh, Buck, you know, at least Saturday, Sunday, late in the day. Whereas I feel like in the past, they've kind of switched on and off a little bit more um, um also dj you had a really good idea for steve flesh to drop the c in his name <laughs> that was a private take well, i just meant because he's bald and uh flesh i, I get it <laughs> that's coming of you to bring that up did you know i thought steve, i said that in confidence did you know steve flesh from northern kentucky yeah because you mentioned every time he's on tv <laughs> so my retirement from coverage takes i know you guys have criticized this but i I can set the parameters of my own retirement. It was from complaining about the broadcast. So I do want to say something positive. I thought Gil Hans was exceptional. I thought he was more Gil. such yes. a cool addition to the broadcast. I thought he did such a good job explaining a lot of like, you know, what you're about to see, what guys are trying to do, what the history of each hole was, why some things can't be changed, why some things could be changed. Um, I thought like, I forget, I think it was him. Was it him and uh, Joel? Yeah, it was him and Joel Clatt for a while, and uh, they were going back and forth. And I just I, that was one of the more entertaining sections of the day. So more of that, I thought was. I wish they'd do awesome. more hands later in the day. Well, in next year, very, I bet they will next year because yeah. they're at Wingfoot. He's doing the whole, you know, the renovation there. So which that was my thing. I'm just I'm I'm fucking tired, guys. <laughs> the whole like prime time. It's sweet, <laughs> yeah. but like. Man, it's hard to just mm-hmm. keep yourself from watching too much golf because it comes on yeah. so early and then it, it stays, you know. I haven't been able to go to sleep the last couple of nights just because I've been jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was probably due to Chaz Reeves' performance. Well, listen, of course. <laughs> uh, what a gritty what a gritty performance from Chaz. <sighs> and they showed what... That was the other complaint with, with Fox where... They missed... Is my, listen, we're really hard on other teams for, you know, missing a lot of shots. I honestly thought Chez had ejected, and he played like one of the steadiest U.S. Open rounds you could play today, yeah. and they just didn't show bother to show up. He was never a factor to win, and I get it. Like there was some real drama going on, and there were three guys in the mix, so they were they focused on that. They got really honed in on that, and they delivered on that. That was the most important thing. They missed some of the other ancillary stuff, and not showing Chez if you felt a little personal. <laughs> it did. It did. You know, so he, he he's a walk on. Well, yeah, I mean, that was kind of Walk my... Walk on to the U.S. Open. <laughs> that was kind of my block, is he, he reminds me of, uh, you know, when you're in, when you're playing high school football and there's there's a kid who you know, like, he, he's got no business starting. He's got really no business being on the field. Like, he might get hurt, but he's just trying so hard. And, and you've got kind of the apathetic, much more talented uh, starting quarterback or starting receiver. And so the coach kind of uses Chaz as, like, 
Chez is the is the you know you can pick which one he is in this analogy, but uh, he's the one that the coach kind of uses to motivate the other players. It's like God, I think I mentioned this actually in the Phoenix pod yeah. when he got beat. It's like God, if I had eleven Chez Reeves on this team, you know we wouldn't have to worry about getting bounced from the playoffs in the second round. Which was really cool to see Rory play with Chez. <laughs> This week, because I think Rory could have learned a lot. Rory, like, it literally is that quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) That's him. Mike Davis might be the coach of the team, and he put, you know, he put Rory, like, hey, I think this is good for our national championship. If you could see Chez, you could see Chez is great for one day. That's going to make you a better player. Is Chez the guy we always used to say would would be racing down at Del Mar in the afternoon? <laughs> no, that's Heath Slocum. Heath Slocum, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, Chez is, Chez is like that 195-pound that defensive tackle who's got the, the face mask that nobody wants. <laughs> that's what Tron ever said. Yeah, the, the, bar, yeah, the yeah. centerpiece bar yeah. in the face mask. that when, Like you're going to high school football practice, everyone's like, oh, God, please, just like don't give me that one. Just give me like the Dion one or, or whatever. Yeah. We've, uh, we're pretty far into the pot. I don't think this name's been mentioned yet until just now. Roy McElroy. Cat uh, was not. A I mean, guys, I, I am proud of myself. Roy's, you know, no one loves Roy more than me. Yeah. I was proud of myself that this week, like going into last night, I was like, dude, this is. Oh, you're not falling for it's it. It's not going to happen. I've seen it. Like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, and he peaked early. He peaked kind in of, Canada. Yeah. I mean, which and that's where it's like you can't. He needs more wins. I'm fine with him peaking. I'm actually fine with him not winning the U.S. Open because I feel, feel like it's more important for him to win the British Open yeah. presented by Her Majesty the Queen. In <laughs> I just Northern don't know Ireland. if it's... A, I don't know if it's an either-or. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he could... Brooks has proven I, it's not yeah, an either-or. I think or they're all in a vacuum. But it's very important this year that he win it. Well, why is that? Because he's going to be officially dead if he doesn't. <laughs> It'll be five full years without winning a major in, you know, some of the prime years of his okay, career. So, so who disappointed you more, Rory or DJ? Uh, this week or just yeah, overall this week this week, this week Cause they were both probably Rory but spot. that's more of a reflection on like my expectations for DJ have been lowered like, yeah yeah not like in a joking Quit way looking like, at me when you say yeah that. no I mean I just don't there's something about DJ I just I don't have much confidence in him Quit whispering in Tron's ear as you say that. <laughs> no, the Rory, how well Rory has played this year and winning two events and one of them being a fake major, like it, it elevated what we thought of him for this week. I, I, taking that back, though, I didn't expect him this setup to be great for him. We DJ and I both picked him, or no, Randy and I both picked him as he's not going to win this week. So him top tenning was actually not a surprise, but I think it's a good, a fine week. He showed some grit. More than usual, I think, just with, you know, chipping and kind of manufacturing some stuff. He played the par fives like shit, which was a That's kind theme, of the theme for with everybody. Some of the bombers, yeah. Like. Yeah, it's hard to. This is where the takes get dumb, I think, but I'm going to make them even dumber. Uh, but it's, you know, it's really easy to just like forget that somebody wasn't in contention. You know, like nobody's disappointed in like Tony Fino. He missed the cut. You know, but we're saying like, gosh, Rory, you know, the way that he played himself into contention and he didn't win, like that's so disappointing. And so it's on one hand, you got to give props to like, God, he was six under through three rounds at the US Open. That's really good. And played really good golf to get there. Yeah, he did. And then he comes out and like when you're like, dude, all right, Rory, you're one of, you know, five guys on this leaderboard who can just absolutely flame throw that front nine. And you go out and like make like the worst double ever on two, and it's like, all right, cool, well, that's over. <laughs> like that's very disappointing. <laughs> How many top tens do you think Rory's got in majors? All in of his them. Career? All of them. Probably like, like probably 50. twenty. He's, no, 50. It's, it's I don't probably know. Twenty. Twenty. 
Gosh. Exactly. Oh, there you go. How Folks about that? Yeah. Uh, he's supremely talented. Yeah, like he gets he gets graded on a different on on a different scale. I mean, yeah. I think we've gone into that, but this is his first made cut at the U.S. Open since 2015. It's a process. Yeah, that's that's pretty jarring. Yeah. So I think wing foot next year will be should pre- it be should a pretty be good. good one for him. Too. Beth Page should have been good though too. Um, but again, I think that just kind of puts into perspective not to bring everything back to Brooks, but just how freaking like consistent and good he's been and they're like we're, we're if we'd have got this out of rory this would have felt like a win of like well god that was as close as he's been since 2014 like he's he's knocking back on the doorstep and if kepka would have won today he would have eviscerated rory's major career in two years yeah it would have been i think insane. with rory it's still he's trending right he's trending in the right direction he's he's making like he, he won he won last week he, well, he it's kind of like him going into the players where everybody was like, oh, I don't know. He's, there's all these close calls. Like, is he going to win? Is he going to And then he kind of goes and boat races. Just kind of given go race, boat sample, races the players. I, I think that's, yeah, that's Solly's thing is like, dude, it's never bad to, yeah. to just give yourself chances. Shout out to Ricky. Be in contention. Where are we at with uh, Jordan? Well, before we get there, I, I, uh, on the Brooks thing, like, I don't know if we're going to talk about Brooks more or not, but I almost feel like I, I have a very similar feeling to, I know this sounds stupid, but to, what we felt when Tiger won the Masters, I was like, dude, I can't even like, I can't kind of can't wrap my head around this. Like Brooks has been like, like literally that good. Yeah. yeah, it's it's shocking. Like you don't, I don't hear anybody talking it in talking about it in a way that makes sense. Like everyone's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, it's pretty good, right? It's like, no, it's historically yeah. good. It's insane. Like people should be freaking out, but I they I just don't know if anybody like really knows how to feel. It's kind of weird. It bothered me, and I know by technicality, Willie Anderson won three straight (laughs) U.S. Opens, ending in 1905. I wanted to just be like, dude, no one has done this before. Like nobody's (laughs) fucking won three straight U.S. Opens. Come on, (laughs) like no one like that would have been. You're gonna be hearing from Willie Anderson Nation on Twitter. Willie Anderson Nation, (laughs) guys, I have a question. Did did Brooks not win today because? Nike put him in a white plain hat. Well, I think or did he not win because Nike was like, "Dude, we can't pay out any more bonus money, man. <laughs> like, you can't. We can't have you win this one." I think bringing Randy's whole thing back into this, this was as live under par as a U.S. Open setup gets, and <sighs> Brooks does not win on live under par golf courses. That is interesting. Well, it's why he Hills. It's why he doesn't <laughs> win week to week on the tour either. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Spieth still bandaging it. It's not great. Still it's not good. <laughs> It's not great. It feels like he's giving me anxiety when I watch him. Yeah, it doesn't look easy. No. Which I, you know, as an outside observer, like sometimes you just watch guys and you can just like it looks easy. Like you, you feel comfortable watching yeah. them. Speed, you don't get. Well, that, that was at my all. thing. I was texting you guys uh, on Thursday before his, before his tea time, and I'm watching him. I don't. I'm not at that many events. I don't really get to watch him warm up. But I was watching him go through his whole routine and. Cam McCormick's out there, and I mean, he's like hands on. And this is 15 minutes before he's like getting ready to go to the tee for a major championship where everyone's like, "You should definitely win." Like, you're, you're, <laughs> this is so yeah. perfect for you. And they were grinding, like it was so unsettling to watch. And it's like very like routine stuff. And of course, like I wouldn't begin to, you know, think that I know what they're working on or whether that's abnormal or not. But it's weird as hell to to watch. It is stressful to watch. I feel like maybe this is the analogy I'm going for and that it's like watching somebody try to do to stack like 52 cards up like I make a house make and I'm not calling his game a house of cards but it's like for a while 
It was like, dude, you'd get to the second level and it would fall apart. And like, it would, you know, and then for a while it's like, oh, now he's on the third level of, with the cards. I'm like, is it going to happen now? And then it like falls apart. He, he, he keeps climbing levels, but like, it's still like, he's got like, he's leaking oil in so many places that it just never gets all the way to the top. I'm not, so, I'm not calling his game a, a house of cards, but here's a, here's a two minute analogy. Sully, that's so cool of you to like make that analogy on Father's Day because we've been trying to potty train Freddie. And like that's kind of how potty training feels. Like it's like, getting closer. Like oh, closer. like you got on the toilet, but then like <laughs> yeah. shit's on the side of it. Or like, <laughs> you, you you like you totally missed it. But like man, you're you're closer. You what got level? to the third level. Well, I was gonna say, what level is he at today? Uh, it, we've regressed since he got sick last ah, week. So, yeah. but it just it just feels like Happy Father's Day, by the way. Charlie. There's more and more good things going on. Yet the bad, the things that are bad are still there and yeah. looming and they bite, they just rear their ugly head and you just, it's uh, the gremlins that, that Eddie Pepperell talked about. Yeah. He looked like he had mad fucking gremlins. This week. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Just, Woodland had no, like no, no. gremlins. Yeah. And you yeah. look at Kepka too. It's like, dude, he is so free and easy. Yeah. Like yeah. it is just pure in the moment competing and speed. It feels like he's fighting, man. He's fighting. Something. That's what I go back to with Rory and, and feeling like, I just don't feel the real thing threat in it because we're watching the guy who is the threat yeah. like Kepka is the guy that we wanted this killer that we wanted so many different players to be I know we said this after the PGA but like he pr- like I don't want to say he proved even more to me than not winning this event but like actually coming in with real pressure of having one two of these and having to def- double defend and having one guy beat you yeah. like it was the, maybe the most impressive of all of this to well, me well that's yeah no you're, you're exactly right like we've played three majors and two guys have beat him right you know it's out of like the last four out of the last four yeah and it's just it's like dude yeah when this is you know jack talks about this a lot and stuff too but it's like when you put yourself in that position and one guy beats you it's like dude it could go either way yeah <laughs> you know you're like you're kind of at the uh it's, uh it's a proverbial rub of the green at that at it's that point sure. you know it's just who gets the breaks who who chips in who makes putts like whatever and that's just, it's like dude brooks is playing good enough to win every time he tees it up at a major which is hilarious which is the <laughs> funniest qualifier yeah um, yeah but like not only that now though he's got nowhere to hide like we expect it like now this week was like the most expectation we've ever had it's like all right do good like we're watching yeah. go do good we're gonna watch all your shots and for the maybe the first time since he won the first one i felt like i cared yeah. i felt like i was rooting for him to do it and getting pissed when he was hitting bad shots and it felt like Maybe he's burst through and he's not always he's I don't think he's ever going to be the real likable guy, but he's also he's successful enough now that we feel like we're watching some history. Yeah, when there's, we watch a, there's a certain validation you get when you watch when you feel like you're watching something that's that matters historically relevant. Yeah. Or, it's a lot different to watch him at Aaron Hills where you're kind of like rooting for, you know, rooting for the train to go off the tracks or rooting for someone else to come back and win or whatever. It's different to watch that than you know, watch him today after everything that we've seen. It's like, no, dude, he's better than everyone else. Like he deserves to win, <laughs> you know? And that's where it almost felt like to me was like, dude, if he doesn't win, he's, he's getting robbed because he's the best player. Well, it kind of felt, and I was trying to find like a good, good me. It's hard to meme in the middle of, uh, sure. of all this going on, but like Thomas Jefferson said that see, when he was writing the, you ever see like a pet of independence that had like somebody will have like a fake, like a stuffed animal that's similar to like a pet and the pet will look at it like all confused. Like who's this imposter? <laughs> I felt like that was Kepco watching Woodland <laughs> a little bit. You called him the Ronaldo statue. 
<laughs> he was like the worst version of Kepka. Then I looked up the Ronaldo statue, and that would have been very insulting. Who, who is the Ronaldo version? That's like uh, maybe Kokrak. <laughs> it's like the Ronaldo version of uh, of Kepka. The Ronaldo stat, the the statue we're talking about, like that notoriously famous bad bust. Uh, what else we got? Victor Hovland. I don't want to start with this with Victor Hovland, but it was like a lot of the treatment he got. He's an incredible player and like seriously going to be a very good pro. A lot of the treatment was like unbelievable accomplishment. And I looked it up. I was like, when when Jordan Spieth was 21 years old, he was winning the U.S. Open <laughs> as his second major one. Sure. That's the, the, my lead in to be yeah. like, yes, he's an absolute stud. The fact that he doesn't like take divots like with mid irons and stuff oh, blows my mind. I don't understand he's it. He's a sweeper like me and Randy. Yeah. And he swings so hard and he has zero fear in that swing and he looks like he's tailor made to be a tremendous professional. You know it's what like I, when unlike, is, unlike DJ. It's like when Gank, is, <laughs> when Gank is told Randy, holy shit, dude, you are like the, you're even more shallow than, <laughs> than Sergio. Sergio, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I absolutely love is, and I, I am still bummed about this a year later that I didn't really watch. I forget what we were doing, but didn't get to watch much of the USAM at Pebble last year. I love when the USAM is like a lead into the US Open. That's a great way of doing it. Like, so yeah. cool. And the USGA gets gets a good like test run mm-hmm. to figure out what they want to do for for certain uh, you know pain locations and how they want to grow the rough and everything. I think that's such a cool thing. I hope the USGA keeps doing that. I don't and really, I guess we could look up what the schedule looked like. but The Pinehurst year where they went back-to-back yeah. weeks of US Open and US Women's Open. I thought that was great. That was a really cool touch. So the USAM is going back to Chambers Bay, right? Didn't they announce that? I think they did. In the future. It's Pinehurst fu- this year. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. Not this year, but down the road, it's going back to Chambers Bay, which maybe that's a, It'd be a, a better- trial balloon for another U.S. Open there. Yeah, but watching this week also made me think like, Guys, what were we doing with Chambers Bay and Aaron Hills? Like, there's enough really... When when you look back at some really bad fashion stuff. Yeah, it's like, what were we doing? Like, I get what you're trying to do here, but like, look, we got these golf courses. I don't know. I I love Chambers Bay. I was going to say, I I need another look at Chambers Bay. With the new greens up there, it should be... supposed to be pure. I just think, yeah, I just think that there's like, I started thinking about it. It was like, man, how sick would it be if I knew and fi- if we knew in five years, we'd be going back to Pebble. Yeah. Like I, we know the shots, we know the golf course. And I think it's, didn't they know, announce it? And, and I know it's going back to Pebble in the future, but I think like what they do with the old course and it's like every yeah. five years, and I know it's going to be every see, six yeah, now, yeah. like it's frequent and like it's, it's, it's a, enough time that it's not enough time that you forget the golf holes and forget the shots right. and whatnot. So speaking of Pebble, uh, if you'll indulge me a few things from being on site, I thought that, A, it's awesome to be at a U.S. Open. I haven't done that since Chambers Bay. And one of the things that really stuck with me was kind of one of the things I said in the the last wrap-up pod that we did, which was like the gap between majors and regular events has never felt wider to me. Like I have been to the AT&T Pebble Beach and I know this is obvious because we're talking about the US Open and there's a ton of fan interest and it's, you know, one of the four biggest tournaments of the year. However, I think like I've been to the AT&T Pebble Beach three or four times and coming into the gates this week, like I thought I was on a different piece of like a different piece of property. Like I've mentioned on this podcast a ton like, "Oh my god, go to the Pebble Beach tournament. Like it's so relaxed, it's so chill." Like you can go see all these great golf shots. There's nobody stressed out. You're not like this week was jarring just at like how much infrastructure that there is, how many people there are. Like I was walking outside the ropes with like some buddies and stuff and just not being able to see shots of like very, you know, low priority players. Like there's just so many people everywhere that it's impossible to see shots. So where I'm going with that is not a complaint. It's just like, it's crazy to see the interest in, 
in these things compared to a regular tour event. And that's, I'm telling you, like, I, that's something to keep an eye on because like, I don't know how that can be. Like, I just don't know what happens to the tour. If that chasm keeps getting bigger and bigger, it's almost like the more guys, like the more like the tour promotes guys, I don't think it's like people tuning into, you know, regular season events more. It's more, it's like the more you promote Gary Woodland for winning in Tampa, the more like people are going to be jacked up to see him at the U S open, you know? And it's almost like it's, well, that was a crazy, it's almost like ripping the the thing apart. It's just really weird. I said, how, like, what does Tiger's schedule look like for the rest of the year? Because the tour still seems to be at, you know, Tiger's still the needle and they, which he is. Yeah. And he didn't like, all right. So he didn't play between the masters and the PGA and then he played the Memorial. Yep. And then he played the U S open and then it doesn't sound like he's going to play again before the British open presented by her majesty. And then, so he's like, he's playing like five or six regular tournaments a year now. And that's where, again, I'm, I'm fully, uh, aware that like, maybe I'm just biased on this because I, you know, worked at the tour for a long time and, but yeah, it's, it's these events like just feel like they're turning into, you know, reps or something like it's, it's really weird from a casual fans perspective. And maybe it's always been like that. I was going to say, I think PGA tour events week to week are like a local event. It's for local people. It's for you to come out to I local totally tour agree. stop. Except for and it's majors. dependent on like big ass TV contracts. Well, that's different. But like attending a, an event, like yeah, you're yeah. talking about a major is like a worldwide a thing. People yeah, fly yeah. in for it. People totally. will travel yeah, yeah. to go see it. And you, those events are not meant for you to be able to follow people. I tell people this at Ryder Cups, like get a spot where you can see a jumbotron. You can see the other action and you can watch everybody come through. Do not try to follow a group. You can't do it. And at majors, don't try to follow a group because there's so many people. When you have it, like the USGA runs one huge, large men's professional event every year. They're going to try to make a shitload of money off of it. And right. they do. So they have a ton of hospitality. They have. But it also means there's a shitload of demand. Yeah. Too. I think oh, that's, it that's, that's DJ's point to where like this traveling road show that is the circuit, the, the uh, tour, like it doesn't. It's not really engendering that same demand, and then when they, and then when they, when they pump up Tiger is the main draw, and Tiger only shows up five times a year, six times a year, like that, that really hurts your product. It, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like it, it seems like both the majors and the regular tour events are like built on the same model, right? It's TV contracts. It's it's you know presenting sponsors, or in the majors' perspective, it's you know presenting sponsors of you know like Rolex and like the people we saw this week, but when when they're those events are like getting so fundamentally different from a casual fan interest perspective like man i don't really know how you solve that and i just don't know what that looks like in the future is is you know i'm not rooting for chaos i'm not rooting for these events to you know become irrelevant but it's like dude how do you watch the u.s open at pebble beach and as a casual fan and then get jacked up for like the 3m or the you know the quicken loans in detroit like i'm gonna watch those events and i'm gonna be psyched about it but it just seems like more and more uh like they're gonna be so dependent on really hardcore golf fans to support those events from like a tv perspective uh especially as things move you know you move into like a new tv contract and streaming and streaming services and people paying for subscriptions and that kind of stuff. I don't know. Anyways, it's a whole other topic, but I was blown away at the infrastructure and the footprint and just the spectacle that a major championship is because it's, it is wild, man. (laughs) And so to see, and did you notice it being very, very stark, even in relation to say the PGA championship? 
No, I think it's probably similar. I mean, the PGA is a big deal. Like it's, it, there's a lot of a big footprint there as well. But I think what it really drove home was just, you know, it's so easy to sit and and be like, God, this place should host a major. They should take the U.S. Open here or here or here. Like, dude, there's 20 places in the country that can legitimately host the U.S. Open. Like, it's nuts the amount of parking and hospitality and all of that stuff. It's just, it's a good reminder and and you know something to to think about as we're casually throwing stuff around. The other thing was uh pebble like is so much more subtle than i think i ever realized like seeing it up close and actually like looking at a critical eye uh just from like a major championship perspective you start to look at you know i think a lot of people saw the green oh god the the balls are spinning back on the greens like this is bullshit it's a u.s open but then you look at like taking <laughs> looking at you randy you take a whole like number four is a perfect example and people are like, oh my God, like, wow, look, these balls are spinning off the front of the green. It's like, dude, that green is tilted like 30 degrees from back to front and the fairway is tilted like 30 degrees. So talking to like some players about this, it's like when you're in that fairway, you're freaking out because, you know, you're on an uphill lie to a green that's back to front and you're like, dude, like controlling the spin is half the battle. It's not like, and this is what I'm saying, where you just make these rock hard. That's not the challenge. The challenge is supposed to be things exactly like that. And so... I just saw a lot of stuff like that. A whole like number three where you, you're basically a whole like number three where, you know, you've basically you're sitting on a draw lie and to get to a lot of those pins, like you have to hit a fade. It's just little things like that, that even are hard to come out in the broadcast, even when you have all the time in the world and you have someone like Gil Hans on, like you, you still can't capture all that stuff. So just, yeah, I don't know. At, at both, I'm both saying like, don't go to a major because there's too many people and you can't <laughs> see anything and definitely go to a major because there's stuff you can't see on TV. For sure. I think almost any golf course, like going in person, like when I went to Firestone for the first time, I was like, oh, dude, this looks way different right, in person yeah. than it does on TV. doesn't make for an any better viewing experience on TV, but having that appreciation for like, oh, there's like land movement out here. It looks, it's TV flattens everything. And there were a couple of really good pictures this week of just Tiger and guys hitting shots yeah. in like in nine fairway and that's showing so the depth yeah. of the beach back there. And I was like, dude, that even, and that's what the drone shots were so key, showing the elevation change on the seventh hole. Like I've, how many times have we seen that hole? I forget how much downhill that is. Yeah. So that wrap around view from the ocean showing how much higher that seven T is, is really, it, and that's kind of some of that, like you're talking about that, that nuance to Pebble and the, the discussion we had about Pebble being overrated before the, the event. I think I have even more appreciation for the golf course again, as a major championship venue. Now, I think a lot of our discussion was more based on it being a course that is, you know, the other 51 weeks of the year are just people pay a ton of money to play it that I think there are still a ton of improvements they can make to it to, for that to be a better experience than like whatever the fifth ranked course in the world. Right now that's a separate conversation for like watching a tournament there. That was fucking awesome. That was great. <laughs> like that was tremendous. I don't have a ton of, a ton of criticism on that front. Well, and I think that's where things as simple as like the brownie points segments. I know we, we, we don't get enough of them. We harp on this, how good these are a lot, but something like that is such a perfect indicator where CBS, like they'll oh, I'm not supposed to use our word. Uh, other networks will use, <laughs> you know like a graphic they're like you know what people need is like a graphic that this is look at out look at how thing this thing's moving and now we're gonna have an arrow that comes over the over the hill and it's gonna show you 34 feet from top to bottom no sometimes you i'm like, yeah, old like yeah, i don't know what this is just ball. roll a fucking beach ball down the hill <laughs> and show me how much it rolls down the hill like that i'd be like whoa look at how downhill that is that's crazy and folks with just, that dj's retirement from he's like the school administrator who retired and took the pension and now they <laughs> come back it's disgusting scumbag very disgusting 
I have a couple lightning round things. He's going to be doing cameos with Brett Favre. (laughs) Double dipping. Never thought I'd see it. disgusting that you guys don't respect my privacy. We didn't talk any cat, by the way. A lot of people are speculating he's hurt, like his back was all messed up. Some some people speculated that he died. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot to add on the cat. Uh, uh, The cold weather was, he was making an excuse for the cold weather. It was not good for him. For the first time in my life, I have not, uh, maybe for the first time in my life, but definitely since the first time, you know, since all the scandal and and the real uh, bottoming out of the cat. I, I've hit this point now since he won the Masters where, and you watch him at the PGA too, where it's like, ah, you know what? It's just not as weak. Whatever. That's, That's all right. Yeah. We'll show some other guys. Like everything feels like gravy now. Right? Yeah. Whereas it used to be like, oh, show every shot. What's he doing? Why are we not watching Tiger? And now I'm like, ah, it's, you know, whatever. It's okay. And Kepka kind of fills the void. Yeah, a little totally. Bit in that like, you know, he's, he's the guy right now. So I don't know if the casual fan feels like that, but I think back then, like, you know, looking at 20... 14 2015 even like before that 2012 2011 where there's injuries and he was playing really good and then he's out now he's hurt and now he's okay like we've had this long stretch where it's just he's just been like readily available to go play golf and it's like yeah we don't i mean we don't need to see him shoot you know 73 like that's whatever we're <laughs> yeah we're good i thought they treated him good today on yeah, sunday I that was too. pretty good yeah it was appropriate uh matt wallace t12 matt wallace matt wallace <laughs> matt <laughs> I thought it was- this is one of Solly's favorite <laughs> jokes in the world. Picking on poor Vern Lundquist at Augusta a couple of years ago. No, it was at the PGA. Or the PGA, that's the what Bell Reeve. Yeah. What did he call him, Mike Wallace? Yeah. When he made it ace. He's getting ready to make it ace. <laughs> Not only did he call him Mike yeah. Wallace. Mike let's, Wallace was let's, shocked. Let's go. Ed, that was, that was, sorry, that was Ed Wallace. <laughs> 60 minutes. That was They cut over to Vern. He's like, clearly very excited to call this tape delayed ace. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. This is Mike Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> he steps up and makes Solly, it. Solly, you keep Vern's name out of your mouth, all right? I didn't say his But now Solly does it for every player. <laughs> Whatever they, they like first see, this is Greg Woodland coming up. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, Matt Wallace, T12, uh, having a pretty good year on the heels of a really good year last year. Really, really good year last year. He's going to be popping in the top 20 in the world here. He wins once or twice more. He could be the new. He's the new the Norris. Norris. That you, So I wanted to just. That's a, a good thing to put on the radar. Put a little, yeah. uh, you know, calendar reminder there. Uh, Xander, how about Xander? Randy, uh, you were all over that one. You, you said three straight U.S. Opens. You look, he's finished like sixth, fifth, and now third. Is he the control? The last group? three years. Yeah, he seems like a very. Well, that should tell you it's a good setup. Without looking, without looking at the uh, at anything online. How many guys, or what What were the guys that shot under par in every round this week? That's always my favorite. Uh, well, I know one, because they mentioned yeah. on the broadcast. It was John Rahm. Yeah. And the other two are Woodland and Kepka. Woodland, <laughs> okay. Woodland, right? It's only yeah. three. When I started only. to ask it, I thought it was Shaf- Shoffley was one of them, but he was not. But um, I thought yeah, quiet T3 for him. I thought Matt Fitzpatrick had a good week. Um, expected him to play well there, and he did. Um, Adam Scott has been contending his balls off lately it seems like he is in contention all the time without really being a threat to win he just always seems like he's on the other side of the golf course yeah exactly. and they just catch up with him real exactly. quick it's like, here's here's adam scott putting for birdie with a pin in for 15 feet and, he's playing well, the north course today you should see what he's doing out there <laughs> joe he's leaving the pin in on this putt <laughs> yeah and then they come and then inevitably they come back like 45 minutes later you see him miss like an 18 inch putt yeah. say oh no. it's just not as weak <laughs> um shout out to nate lashley finished one under par for the week hung around i think people 
We're expecting him to get vaporized a little bit. Aaron Wise bounced back today after 78 or 79 yesterday. Can we talk about the Spieth Greller exchange? I know we talked about it on the live show on Oof. Thursday, but uh, I so I missed all, I missed all this as well. So Spieth hits his tee shot on the eighth hole. Is it Thursday or Friday? One of the one both of those days. days. It was Thursday. He hits his tee shot in the water on eight. Goes over the cliff. Long, long, and then he hits a second. His third shot it drops. Hits his third shot over the green, and then like with the with the Fox camera guy, like right there, like. <laughs> Almost like he turns to the cameraman to say this, and not even Greller. But Breaking like, the fourth wall. He's like, first shot, you know, two shots, two perfect shots, Mike. You get, you got me in the water off the tee, and another one long there, and it was, and then Twitter just like melted down on that one, which I was partially responsible. I, at first, I tried to be responsible, and I said, "Hey guys, I'm not gonna have any. Mike and I aren't gonna have any comment at this time." Uh, and then I said, "You know what? This really chaps my ass. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit silent." And you can't sleep on that. No, and I think. It, it's just because he does all the Wii stuff all the time. Yeah, and it's then, bad. And I, I feel like that just the chirpiness has gotten to the point where he's just, it's tough to watch. And then the rake happened the following day, which I don't know who's putting a rake up at the top of the bunker. <laughs> the rake, I think, is a totally separate thing. I don't he think hit he was, the rake? He was I, ever I blaming it. Greller for the rake. I don't he think, hit it? He was very, and I, I yeah, want to separate the two. He the was rake. very clearly blaming Greller for what happened on eight. And they, Which, to me, I'm like, like, Greller tried to talk him, like, he said, I, I like one less than this, and Spieth hit. Which we we don't know if he, if he hit one more than Greller had suggested. We don't know what he had in his hand. Like, it, it wasn't like, no, I'm hitting one more. And then going yeah, long, I, I don't the think whole that would have happened. Just seemed so like rem- like he seems so removed from it. He seems so like emotionally detached from the decision making in the conversation to where it's like he just needed somebody to blame on the back end, and that's fine. And maybe that's part of their relationship. I had a bunch of people reach out and say, "Oh, TC, this isn't you know like th- this is nothing." You know, like if you thought this was bad, yeah, yeah. I'm like I get it. Like it's yeah, certain guys, but like those guys don't don't stand up after the round and say. We, 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 us, team, team, we, you know, so. Yeah. Shout out to Victor Dubasan. <laughs> and I think kind of the conclusion we got to was like, it's very clear that Spieth should take responsibility for all the decisions being made. And at the same time, like, Greller should probably, probably would admit that he made a mistake there. Like, he should not have had a club in his hand that could have gotten the water off Listen, the Listen, we're going to have our sit down this week and we're going <laughs> to... We're going to talk about what to went well, what yeah, went yeah. badly, and we're going to go from there. I thought that uh, Will Bardwell, a uh, friend of the program, had a fantastic tweet about Jordan Spieth. Um, and basically, this is just a veiled, you know, a veiled shot at bitching at the caddies and, and all that stuff. He said, I, I fancy myself an intellectually consistent person. I've always liked Jordan Spieth, but disliked Bubba Watson. I'm beginning to feel intellectually inconsistent, <laughs> which is pretty fair. That's like, Somebody's like Bubba says you... anything. And people are like, fuck this guy. What's his deal? That's, I, I saw some of that too. It's like, if Bubba done that, you'd have been all over him. I was like, you know what? I, I well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's a really, fair. really that's good point. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Spieth is, eh, it's not, look, it's not great. I like when he whines about everything else, but I can't stand to see him and him and greller i know it's fighting. like trouble and you know that's like the one it's like mom and in on, this guys. crazy ass world and talking to talking to some of the guys who were who were there like kind of following that group um they're like you know it's it's really weird uh being like in the vicinity and this is where one of the really unique things about golf is you know it's so quiet out there all the time that when somebody does yell something it's just like a, a vicious headshot like everybody hears it and so it's really quiet after a shot. You know, there's people are just kind of milling about and someone will just yell like, 
great read, Greller! <laughs> you know, and you know that, like, everybody heard it. Everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's like, God, oh, people think that we're fighting. And now, like, they're going to analyze everything we now do. It's a thing. Yeah. Now it's a thing. And so, yeah, apparently that was, that was that was really thick in the air out there, which is kind of fun. All right. So we're like an hour and 20 minutes in here. I do want to give a shout out to the guy on the Canadian tour. Mackenzie tour, excuse me. He shot 59 today. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember his name. <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, shout out to everyone for yeah, following along. Shout out to everyone. <laughs> Can I give a shout out? Yeah. yeah. Charlie and Savannah. Nobody will understand what that means except for Charlie and Savannah. <laughs> Maybe one other person. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. Major weeks are a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for tuning into the live shows. And uh, everyone here for staying up late on a Sunday night. Now we're back to the normal normal schedules. So uh, we're, we're going to be upper Midwest. Yeah, this week. we're going to be in Minneapolis this week. Um, Tron, Randy, and I for um, Tron for a few days. Randy and I all week for the KPMG Women's PGA, our uh, annual stop at the LPGA. So it's we have fun. one more thing going on this week. Uh, Tuesday at noon. Oh, I almost forgot noon Eastern. Uh, the debut of Tour Sauce Season Three. Uh, our road trip from. Los Angeles to uh, San Francisco. So tune in for that. Uh, Randy, I'll give you a quick sneak peek. Randy gets absolutely baptized by uh, <laughs> his Lord and Savior, George Gankus, uh, in episode one. So uh, Tuesday at, what did I say? Noon. Tuesday at noon Eastern. Uh, I think we used to do 11. We're going to do noon because it's our show. We do whatever we want. Uh, Tuesday at noon on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash no laying up. What time Tuesday? Uh, noon. Okay. Thanks for asking. High noon. High noon. <laughs> Cheers. Measure twice, cut once. Crack right. on. <laughs> Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different?